You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we're buzzing into episode 85, and uh, we got another packed episode for you here. We do. I'm already getting sidetracked. You know, I'm looking at the, our script, which is bullet points, really. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm realizing I finally went to an eye doctor, and I'm getting glasses. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I'm so ready for it. <laughs> like I'm looking at the script, and I'm like... I can barely read this, and my really? eyes aren't that yeah. bad. It's just the angle and my my reading, like prescription changed drastically, mm-hmm. like drastically. Yeah. So it's like I'm like, wow, I almost couldn't read what number, yeah. <laughs> what number podcast it was. Yeah, 85. one of the, I always forget because I, I wear contact lenses, but I have the night and day ones because I basically wore whatever contacts lenses I had, like the night and day <laughs> ones. So I might as well get the ones that say that they are for that. But I I forget that I my eyes are as bad as they are until I switch back every once like every couple of weeks I'll switch back and put my glasses on and I'm like man I can't see a thing you know <laughs> I really can't I can't didn't, do anything I didn't realize you were wearing contacts yeah. like I knew you had glasses and I mm-hmm. just figured your eyes you didn't really need them so that's why I I rarely seen you no wearing. yeah it's it's uh I'm not a big fan of wearing glasses but my my prescription is so poor. That um oh and speaking we were mentioned it's my turn for a secret today yeah and I didn't have a good secret I have a good secret <laughs> <laughs> all right like like my my computer is three feet away mm-hmm. from me and if I take this off I like my glasses I I can read the bolded stuff I can't read any of the other stuff yeah so yeah. and it's now my my vision from far away one eye is starting to get a it's not bad. I I didn't really need a prescription for it, but they're like let's let's total it in. But I went from like one point fives to like two point fives. Yeah, I'm, in the last I'm year, like or a plus one. I'm five. like a negative seven. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably close, very close to being legally blind. I cannot wow. see much without wow. without a uh, visual. Now, I wasn't gonna say visual impairments, but that, that's what I have a visual remedy. It's only for me. It's the last five years. Last five like. Prior to that, no issue. It, like I realized like in the morning in the dark, I couldn't see my phone unless I held it like mm-hmm. at arm lengths away. Now that doesn't even – so yeah. that's but the yeah, price of getting I, old. <laughs> with the contacts, I always forget that I'm, I have them in. And when I do switch, I'll wake up in the morning when on a day where I have my glasses on and not have them on and uh, and wake up. And I'm like, why can't I see anything? <laughs> why, why can't I find my phone? Like, oh, yeah, I need to put these on first so I can see. But anyway, we have – plants for you today we have articles for you today we do uh we have a a short topic for you today and uh and then our our newest segment uh Go ahead. at the you very came end up with it. I, well, we'll, when we get that? there we'll we'll talk about it then okay but uh, friend do you want to present your your that's hot plant first well first let's let me give the intro hold on you know, I almost never go first. I'll, I'll go first. You know, I feel and like you always go first. Really? I've, yeah. Oh, maybe I do. I'll go first. Um, you know, I. You know what? You're right. I I do always go first. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, it I was having difficulties because this time of the year it's a little more difficult mm-hmm. 
to, to find things that are hot and you look for alternate reasons why something would be considered hot right now or beneficial. And I always think of, oh, did I use this before? Did I use this before? We're, we're closing on two years. So I don't think we've used Ilex Opaca before. I'm not sure, which is American Holly. Yeah, I feel like we had to have last winter when we were when we started the segment and we were really struggling to find things. I feel like we had to use it then. We had to. Well, but if not, it's a very it's a very seasonal plant. So. It, it is, and and uh, for for those of you who may not know American Holly, uh, it's a large evergreen, but it is very slow growing. You're not going to get a ton of growth. It's it it's not going to shoot up. It does get um, forty to fifty feet tall, but that's that's going to be over time. Uh, when planting it in the northeast, it, it is native here, but make sure you protect it from the wind. It can dry it out and get some leaf drop. Uh, most of the time you're finding them, they're, they are a little more protected. Um, they're facultative uplands, so they do uh, – for wetland indicator status, so they do tend to like drier conditions. We do find them in the Pine Barrens and in sandier conditions here locally. Um, but just the foliage reminds me of traditional Christmas foliage. It's that darker green foliage. Uh, with spiky spiky leaves, you get that red berry, uh, and the the berries are are for wildlife, uh, birds, deer, squirrels, other small animals. I think there's 18 species of birds, including morning doves, turkey, and northern bobwhite, and it produces a lot of persistent berries. So if you have one in your property, it does give you a little bit of evergreen feel this time of the year. Uh, you can use it as a little bit more of a screening, and it it has tons of uh, beneficial. Uh, wildlife value deer do eat the berries you know it's one of those things where they typically don't like the spiny spiny leaves but mm. in in really harsh winters i've seen them i've seen them eat holly so yeah. it's um it's not deer proof uh but it fares pretty well if there's other food available it's not going to be their first choice mm. so um, hopefully we hadn't used that one before. I'm not really sure, oh, it, but it's a good it choice. It doesn't matter regardless. if we did because it's it's a, a something that makes you think of Christmas. And yeah, it's a holiday this season. Aired on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I thought that would be a really good, really good choice, even if we'd used it before. It doesn't hurt to visit it again. Yeah, and mine also has some winter interest, and it's uh, I'm probably going to butcher this name, but Galtheria percumbens, which no, I a, know as American wintergreen, yeah. uh, also known as tea berry. Tea berry. Um, and it was when thinking about it, it was probably one of the first plants that I was, um, I don't want to say introduced to, but introduced to and formed the memory with. And I've mentioned before, uh, growing up and, and to this day, there's a, a, a hunting cabin that my, my dad would take my brother and I to when we were kids with a bunch of people from our town all were members of this hunting club. And we go down there in the New Jersey Pine Barrens, and that's a plant that's, that's I don't want to say is... Um, it's common down there, but it's not like it's dominating the landscape uh, just because it's not the kind of plant that <laughs> dominates the landscape. But I remember him showing us that plant, and, and it's just something that stuck with me. A lot of – so many plants my dad talked about didn't stick with me. That's one that did, and uh, especially that you can – you put the berry in your mouth and chew it, and it has that wintergreen gumish type flavor. Yeah. And um, But it's a really, really small plant, and uh, looking this up, I saw some pictures of it. Um, I I always know it, it's probably what, less than four inches tall. Yeah, and um, and typically it's like a single stem and only has a handful of leaves. I saw some pictures online where it gets a little bit bigger than that, but I didn't see anything where it was was huge. Maybe I've seen somewhere it had a couple stems and there was like a foot in diameter, yeah. but um, still only six inches tall or something yeah. like that. But uh, the berries kind of remind me of radishes. 
I don't know if okay. you get that feel. Yeah, I could like somewhat see not that not a as far bit. as taste. Obviously not yeah. taste, but just look like it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a, a, a radish. Yeah. So a little bit from wildflower.org about that plant. It's a, a low woody ground cover. Wintergreen is grown is grown for its evergreen foliage, flowers, and berries. Two to six inch branches arise from the creeping underground stems and bear one to two inch long oval, shiny dark green leaves, which turn reddish with the advent of cold weather. Small bell shaped white to pink flowers, which I hadn't noticed the flowers before. Yeah. And it's just I'm I wasn't something I was always looking for. It's just something I saw. It's a, oh my god, but that's it's a very similar flower to me as like if you know uh, Japanese Andromeda, okay, Harris, yeah. uh, like a very similar type flower to that. But uh, yeah, so small bell shaped white to pink flowers hang on short stems from the leaf axles. Uh, the creeping stem of this low evergreen shrub has an upright branches with white bell-shaped nodding flowers, solitary or in groups of two or three in the leaf uh, axles. Aromatic red berries follow the flowers. Yeah. So. And, uh, yeah, I, it's another plant. Yeah. Like, I, when I think about it, it does fit the definition of a shrub, but I wouldn't yeah. consider it a... I consider it in a, a low evergreen, yeah. or a low uh, ground cover almost. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, they do make tea berry gum. Out of gall theory procumbens. But the one thing I like about it is it well, it's twofold. It is available in the regular nursery trade. It's actually has quite a name for itself. I remember when I worked for um the Connor Pile Company, we would sell five to six thousand a year. Uh, and the West Coast actually is a large um uh they do a lot of growing of Galtheria just because it has the right conditions. Yeah. But the the only thing I'll say about that plant, the twofold I don't know a lot of people that have been successful planting it, um, mm-hmm. and same with bearberry, which is another. That's, another, that's a good an, yeah, another example, uh, native ground cover. Um, it's just very specific in the conditions that it likes, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't like to be tampered with either. Like it doesn't want to be, like, I, I don't know, like, like um, bearberry, like when. The foliage, like if you're growing it and the foliage touches the ground, sometimes you'll get diseases. It just is very particular in what it yeah. likes. And if it, the conditions aren't quite right, eventually over time you just lose it. But it's, it's one of those plants that everyone loves so much they'd lose it and then buy it again next yeah. year. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. on, like some people were treating it like an annual, but in the right conditions, it's a very, very hardy native native plant. Yeah, but it's something that has some interest right now. I Why I picked it, I was down at that cabin uh, last week and – Saw one when I was walking a trail back into the woods, and I was just kind of the whole flashback memory hit me again. I'm like, ah, that's a cool plant. I, I like that plant, even though it's so, so minuscule in so many instances in the wild landscape. But it's it's a uh, I'm sure it's important for for some wildlife as well. That's a great choice. I even think about that, you know, because it's one of those items that personally we don't grow. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's sometimes those get overlooked sometimes. So I think that's a great choice. I like that. I like that selection. Yeah. So. I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, we do we have a timeline? I know, I know, we talked about it when we think we're going to start publishing the new, the new podcast. We want to. Well, I, I was thinking sometime in the into like the new year, probably mid January is our, our okay. time frame. All right, cool. So that's something. I mean, I think we have about twenty two. We we haven't started recording, but we have about twenty two plants prepped that we can we can start going. So. It may be one of those things we were talking about with seasons. Doing one for every day, even if they're small episodes, mm-hmm. is very time-consuming. So it, it may be seasonal. But I was thinking, I'm like, that's a great plan to focus on oh, yeah. when we do yeah. when we do it. So sorry, so, yeah, I'll, I'll have to start pulling my weight and and type that one up because all of the 22 <laughs> uh, plant profiles we have done and scripts we have done, Fran has done all 22. <laughs> so I got to start pulling my own weight here. 
No worries. No worries. Two great, two great choices. Um, and um, you know, obviously, we always get them up on social media. We're mm-hmm. little fact sheets, and you can get to see some pictures, and we'll have those up. But uh, the next segment that we always do next, I love that we have our routine. Uh, so it's our botany-based current events, and it's always a competition. So we're going to move along to this or that. Redemption. So re- it redemption, is redemption. That's... So we, we do have a winner, and the winner is... It's Tom, me. Tom, yeah, 12, 12 to 6. Yeah, stop a the slide. I'm, I'm back on the, in the win column. I, uh, I will say this. Next time... I'm on a losing streak. I have to remember that you have the losing streaks and winning streak. Like it's tough when you're in a losing streak. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get out. Is it ever going to end? Mm-hmm. Like I never think when you're winning week after week. Oh, am I just going to keep winning? Yeah. It's just like, all right, this is going to end. But as soon as you lose like two in a row, it gets in your head immediately. Like, oh, this has got to. I don't want to be the one that loses ten in a row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, two great articles last week. Um, I'm trying. I had the you had very the one di- on the uh, Oakwell. Oakwell, which is an interesting perspective because when you first start, I'm like, I thought we had Oakwell here already, and then it clicked. Oh yeah, you're talking from the Canadian perspective yeah. where it's right on the doorstep, and they see it and, coming. Yeah, and they they don't know what to do about it. And then mine um, was just that you need to think about other things for pollinators other than than Forbes, other yeah. than your conventional flowers and shrubs and trees can be great, especially early season food sources. Uh, and even into June, July, August can be some great food sources for pollinators as well and beautiful too, yeah, especially I, our, our native choices. And our, our listeners obviously love that choice. So uh, thank you everyone for voting. And Tom, you get to pick. I'm going to go – You like we said, I think you usually go first. So I'm okay. going to go first this time okay. um, mostly because I – I do always pick to go first. Just I don't, I don't necessarily love my article and um, – not that there's anything wrong with the article, it's uh, but it's definitely controversial. Okay, and uh, and it's actually I saw it go making the rounds on some social media, and it's from a website, uh, nurturenativenature.com. Okay, and uh, which looks like a blog. I I wasn't familiar with it until I saw this article posted by I can't remember who posted it on what social media, but I saw it on there, and um, and they had some other really really good articles throughout the the year. Okay, um, on like how rodenticide affects owls and, and just it's all nature and native plant focused. Gotcha. It was really looked really, really informative. And it's someone from what I can gather, it's someone who's doing this on their own and kind of giving their experiences with it and giving advice on how people, other people can do it and how to spread the word, which is what we're trying to do as well. But uh, this one, and it's something that I, why I picked it is it's something I was combating myself at home and that was holiday light pollution signs brightly at botanical gardens. And I was back in, in November before Thanksgiving. I'm thinking, man, I learned so much, especially about how light pollution affects uh, namely pollinators, but all, all sorts of things. Um, and how important it is to leave your porch lights off sometimes. And now we're going into a holiday season where everybody puts all these lights yeah. up on their house. <laughs> now, that being yeah. said, it's a quieter time of year for most wildlife. You don't have pollinators that are out where it's going to draw in nighttime pollinators like moths. Yeah. You don't have, um, I'm, there might be something that's uh, some kind of moths out there, but it's not the overload of moths that you're going to get in the, in the summer. Um, so I'm like, oh, you know what? It, it's definitely negative from a perspective of, uh, energy use it's yeah. it's kind of trivial energy use just for the 
for for the sake of it, I guess. Yeah. But, so I was really going back and forth in my head saying, maybe we just do like a daytime decoration. We put a wreath on the door and, and make the house look festive, but not get, get rid of the lights. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, I... There's something about coming home, especially when it's getting dark a little bit earlier. There's there's all the the things pointing out there for seasonal depression. Yeah. Um, not that I get it that bad, but I know people do. And there's just something about, especially having a family now, pulling in the driveway and seeing the house lit up and looking Christmassy when it's when it's dark at five well, o'clock. Yeah, I was gonna say. Let's be honest. We leave the house in the morning when it's dark, and we get home when it's dark. Yeah. So that's really we don't see the daytime decorations. We we mm-hmm. see the nighttime decorations, so, and that's it. And I, I I do have some satisfaction pulling in the driveway uh, when I get home and seeing seeing that light display. So yeah, I really selfish, did it for but, selfish reasons, and yeah. um, and said you know what if for the time of year there's probably not as many negative impacts now and we don't go over the top we yeah. have like a three strands of lights we put up on our yeah. porch but um anyway i'll get into the article and it was titled holiday light pollution shines brightly at, Bot- uh, at botanical gardens and uh, a couple snippets from the article sometimes i wish i could take off my awareness glasses and go back to ignorantly enjoying things that harm our ecosystem me too <laughs> <laughs> there's no going back yeah, you can't no going back <laughs> So, for example, before I was aware of the damage caused by light pollution, I thought the brighter the holiday lights, the better. I was able to compartmentalize my love of nature, and it didn't even occur to me to wonder now how blinding light displays might impact the nocturnal ecosystem. I also appreciate the magic of a brightly lit Christmas tree, and I'm aware that going hard on the idea may be the magic, uh, excuse me. I also appreciate I also appreciate the magic of a brightly lit Christmas tree, and I'm aware that going hard on the idea that maybe the magic needs to stay inside might touch a third rail, even with nature lovers. I have to I have no intention of being a Grinchy home holiday light pollution scold, so I'll stay say I'm like really struggling with this one today. So I'll just say a string of twinkly lights around the porch for a few hours in the evening probably has little lasting impact, but there's no way to way a Griswold's Christmas vacation display isn't eco destructive in multiple ways. The trend of excessive light holiday pollution created by botanical gardens around the country, though, is a different matter. Every botanical garden that has a light display also has an educational emphasis on the stewardship of the environment, sustainability, protecting biodiversity, conservation, restoration, protecting wildlife habitat, and or preserving and promoting native plants. During the holidays, it appears that they all conveniently take a vacation for protecting nature in some way to actively glorify and disconnect between the needs of the natural world and the increasing desire for fake man-made spectacles. The idea of nature is used as a selling point. A major opportunity to lead by example is nowhere to be seen. If we are serious, if we are serious about saving insects, birds, and helping restore plant biodiversity, the excessive disnification of nature is going in the wrong direction. My husband tried to calm me down when I became overwhelmed and cranky by the Atlantic, Atlanta Botanical Garden's headache-inducing sensory overload of light and noise. He suggested I consider that they are tasked with finding ways to f- raise funds and that this sold-out event helps them offer educational and conservation programs throughout the year. Bless his heart, because to me, this is like suggesting a dog rescue organization sell breeder dogs at the shelter to raise money to promote and support rescue pet op- uh, pet adoptions. The article goes on, and there's a lot yeah. more in there citing different uh, organizations. And where we are, I I would visit Longwood Gardens for the, the Christmas light I, display, and they have I've a whole big myself. Christmas light display, and then the indoor conservancy, uh, conservatory light display. And, uh, and it really, it is awesome in a way seeing everything so lit up and but that thought had crossed my mind too saying oh i wonder how this is affecting nature and you're supposed to be in a a place that celebrates 
long gardens doesn't not necessarily celebrating nature out, but because they don't all just have native plants there, but celebrating being outside and horticulture and those kind of things. And they do have a native meadow, and, and they have a like made native meadow, and they do have an emphasis on native plants in part. But uh, yeah, it was just it was interesting because I've been combating this in my own head and thinking about just at home what our lights would are doing and um but then thinking about the yeah the large scale portion of it but uh but the, i think the biggest point in here is this is the longwood gardens light display is sold out like sometimes weeks in advance yeah so they're they make a, a ton of money that helps support the rest of the year you go if you went on a, a wednesday afternoon in the middle of the week you're going to see some people there, but it's not going to be crowded. You go for these Christmas light displays, and it's packed, yeah. and there's an admission fee to it. So it's it's one of those things where, yeah, it might not match up with the mission, but that's what helps them fund the rest of the year. I, but I, I wonder if that's true, though. I wonder how much of that admission yeah. goes towards the electric bill to pay that's, for those that's lights. That's also true, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's pretty massive. I would imagine, uh, and the staff to to put it up and take it down. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how profitable something like that is. Obviously, it is, or they mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. If if they were yeah. breaking even, I don't see them. I oh don't see yeah, them doing yeah. it. What I would love to know is how impactful these displays are for the winter. Like I said, things tend to slow down nocturnally. Um, at, at least I, I assume they slow down nocturnally this time of year. Uh, like you still have birds, but I there's the bats. I, I'm assuming aren't since they're eating a lot of insect nighttime insects. There's not as many nighttime insects, so I don't think they'd be as active. It's no, but you know it's you know I know this is a little sidetracked, but I'm not seeing. I didn't see the same amount of bats this year that mm-hmm. that we typically see. Yeah. Right now we have tremendous bird habitat. I'm not seeing the same amount. Like at my house, it seems pretty similar, but here I'm not seeing the same amount of bird habitat. I've noticed. I have noticed since the, the light display and the light change that deer seem to be browsing earlier mm-hmm. where I live than normal. Um, mm-hmm. Like you're catching them at a different time, like earlier in the day. Okay. Um, than you would typically see them, and I, I wonder. I don't know. Maybe it has something to yeah, do and, with the lights. I don't know. Diurnal. They're they're feeding at those like dawn and dusk. Yeah. Every day, anyway. But, but like um, instead of yeah. dusk, like like we had them. Uh, grazing in our backyard at two o'clock yeah you know i'm like mm, that's not really typically when i would yeah. see them here typically it's at dusk it's, now, it's like around that five o'clock four o'clock i did o'clock go in to see oh is there is there research they they had a lot of links in this kind of linking to things that they were um they were talking about in the uh, in the article and uh, one of them was on light pollution how it affects um well biodiversity i guess yeah but it was it wasn't focused on winter time it was focused on so I, I would love to see research that's I hope it's probably been done or being done and if not maybe it's something that needs to be done on how Christmas lights do affect uh, nature during during the winter. Um, one of the things I did find when I was looking all that up is they were saying how Christmas light displays have been so important for mental health in humans this year and last year more than ever. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of a reminder of like positive positive things and, and it just gets people's minds off of uh, the the pandemic at hand, and um, and how they've been really, really like really important for mental health. So there are human benefits to this as well, and I don't think that's something that is going to be overcome. But it's 
I really resonated with the first line. When I read yeah. the first line of this uh, earlier, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, it it does suck just not knowing how detrimental some of these things can do. It, you know, it's a very interesting perspective in the in a way that I, I think about light pollution all the time, but I've never thought about it as as far as Christmas lights. Yeah. I've never made that connection. So it's very interesting to me that you know that mm-hmm. perspective. But I don't see over time like. I don't see that person that's putting on the Griswold light display as often, at least near me. Like it's more a refined – I don't even see as many lights as I, I typically see. But it's it's a little more scaled back and a little more refined. But I mean there are still are those big places out there. I just don't see them yeah. as often. I think they've all moved to the blow-ups now. That's, yeah, that's, I think they have. The blow, <laughs> which I don't get that either. But, yeah. but uh, the, I guess the good news when it comes to Christmas lights is – Many, many people are going to LEDs. The LEDs use less energy. So you, at least there's something going on on that front. But it's still, when I, when I really boil it down, I'm like, man, we're doing something for really no reason at all. I love to find the historical context of why people started using Christmas lights. I'm assuming it just started with candles and windows. Yeah, And then it I just kind of blew up into what we have today. Well, even, you know, the funny thing is if you go back to the mid-90s, like icicle lights were almost too expensive. Mm-hmm. To afford to do your house. Like I remember like at that point looking at the lights, like they weren't cheap. Over the last 20 years, they've become affordable enough to go crazy. Yeah. You know, like you can get strands for strands of lights. The ones on my house I got for like three bucks a box, you know, on clearance after Christmas. So it's – and I bought a whole case. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so um, at some point the lights over the last like 25 years, I'm going to say, got efficient enough. And cheap enough that you could go crazy. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that the use of outdoor lights has to – like even as a kid, no one had an outdoor <laughs> – no one had an outdoor electrical socket mm-hmm. to plug lights yeah. in. You know, so And that's more standard today. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think yeah. – I wonder if that's part of it. But yeah. I don't know. Just a thought. Great article. Great article. Yeah, it really makes you think. I'm not trying to bring the mood down, but – <laughs> yeah, now, gonna, now you guys are all all with me hating Christmas lights too. <laughs> after such a yeah, after such a positive article last week, I really had to change it up. Oh, hey, back to my sour. Let's self. talk about Christmas lights. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, all right. So my article, I, I um. It's a longer article, and this mm-hmm. is one – like a lot of times when I'm reading the article, I'm reading the whole article. I've highlighted a page, and it's not even a fifth of the article. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more for you to reach. I, I'm, I'm just reading enough to give you the idea and the um, – what the article's about and a little tidbits to get you interested. You're really going to need to go in and check on this article yourself because uh, it's a really interesting read. There's a lot of – a lot of information and a lot of science behind it. Um, so please do that. Like I'm still reading a, a fair amount, but there's so much more. So the name of the article is Why Insects Are More Sensitive Than They Seem by Zaria Gorvet, and this was published on uh, BBC.com. Uh, so for decades, the idea that insects have feelings was considered a heretical joke. But as the evidence piles up, scientists are rapidly reconsidering. There's mounting evidence that insects can experience a remarkable range of feelings. They could be literally buzzing with delight at pleasant surprises or sink into depression when bad things happen that are out of their control. They can be optimistic, cynical, or frightened and respond to pl- 
uh, respond to pain just like any mammal would. And though no one has yet to uh, no one has yet identified a nostalgic mosquito, mortified ant, or sardonic cockroach, the apparent complexity of their feeling is growing every year. When Scott Waddle, professor of neurobiology at the University of Oxford, first started working on emotions in fruit flies, he had a favorite running joke that, you know, I wasn't intending on studying ambition, he says. Fast forward to today, and the concept of go-getting insects is not so outrageous as it once was. Waddle points out that some research has found that fruit flies do pay attention to what their peers are doing and are able to learn from them. Meanwhile, the UK government recently recognized that their close evolutionary cousins, crabs and lobsters, as sentient and proposed legislation that would ban people from boiling them alive. So how does one detect emotion in an insect? How can we tell that they're not just responding automatically? And if they really are sensitive creatures, should we treat them differently? The problem is something Charles Darwin first considered in the late 19th century when he wasn't pondering evolution or eating the strange flesh of the exotic fauna he discovered. He spent much of his time thinking about how animals communicate their feelings and wrote up his findings in a little-known book. In the expression of the emotions in man and animal, Darwin argues that, just like every other characteristic, the ways humans express their feelings would hardly have appeared out of nowhere in our own species. Instead, our facial expressions, actions, and noises are likely to evolve the gradual process over millennia. Crucially, this means that there's probably some continu- uh, continuity among animals – continuity, sorry – among animals in terms of the ways that – we display our emotional state to others. For example, Darwin noted that the animals often make loud noises when they're excited. Among the loud chattering of storks and the uh, threatening rattling of some snakes, he cites that stridulations or loud vibrations of many insects, uh, which they make when they're sexually aroused, Darwin also observed that bees change their hum when they're cross. Uh, this all suggests that you don't need to have a voice box to express how you're feeling. One basic clue to the former is that if you train fruit flies to associate a certain smell with something unpleasant, they will simply run away whenever you present them with that smell. They link together the sensory context with the negative stimulus, and they don't want that, and so they go away from it. Uh, When fruit flies are prevented from escaping, they eventually give up and exhibit helpless behavior that looks a lot like depression. Um, Perhaps one reason we don't tend to think of insects as emotional is that it would be overwhelming. So that's mm-hmm. the main uh, main gist, and it goes through a lot of different uh, proposed emotions for different insects and mm-hmm. what it means, and it, it goes on and on. I just want to give you the gist that it's it's more and more science saying because maybe we don't want to see insects as, as having emotions, which makes us easier to deal with it. Um, Maybe we just don't understand how they express their emotions, and there's more and more science going that way. And I, I found it really interesting. Um, man, it was a great read, actually. Yeah, um, and yeah it sounds like it. It's one I'm going to look up after this. And it reminded me of a story. Um, former uh, president of the Native Plant Society in New Jersey, John Black, who, who's since passed, that he told me um, a handful of years ago about spiders and how spiders could recognize people. And they did like this study where um, they basically had people of similar build, and they put them in those like white, um, like hazmat-ish looking suits. Yeah. And the only thing that they could see was their face. And they would have one person to kind of like chase the spider around with their hand, and the other one would give them like treats or something. Like yeah. That. And uh, and it got to a point where the spiders. So the only thing that's like they, that could, they could possibly discern recognize. was the was the, that they could recognize was the face. 
And um, when they would see the person walk in the room that would torment them, they would run and hide. And when they saw the person who would come with, with treats or, or the, the reward, they would come out and, and make themselves easily visible and wait for that reward. And, uh, yeah, it's just you don't think about insects. When I learned that insects could recognize you I'm like, or yeah. spiders could recognize you, um, I was like, wow, I never didn't think that would be the case. And then so hearing this about insects is – and and I I'm wishing there was a way that people could experience that. I was I was actually listening to a podcast this morning. Um, uh, what's the one with Justin Long? Life is short. I think that's what. Yeah. And he had Joe Gatto on from Impractical Jokers, and he was explaining that he turned vegan. And they asked him what the decision was, and because he works with a lot of animal shelters and things like that, but he went to in Woodstock, New York, uh, an event called Thanks Living, and it's held at a farm. And on you go and you feed the turkeys, um, and then you have a vegan meal and you spend time with the animals. And he goes, it was, it was a cow that turned me like this big lovable cow mm. that would have been raised for veal that wasn't. Yeah. That he goes, wow. It just once I made that connection, I couldn't. And he goes, I was never really that fond of meat to be honest. Mm. But he goes, you know, I never made that connection. So. Until someone has some yeah. kind of connection like that with insects or nature, because most people are scared. You're, mm-hmm. you're scared of mosquitoes. Not scared of mosquitoes, but you don't like mosquitoes. You're mm-hmm. scared of bees. You're scared of wasps. Um, there's got to be that aha moment with someone that kind of made you think. Would make you think before you hire yeah. that service to spray for mosquitoes. Yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get too off topic yeah. here, but the one thing that that um, I always think about. In regards to vegans and, or veganism and vegetarianism, is like things are still dying for for that. Like think yeah. about soy and soy production. That's like millions of acres, and they're just monoculture and nuked yeah. with <laughs> pesticides and, and herbicides, and and yeah. then you're tilling the ground. Everything that's in the ground, snakes, rabbits, whatever's in the ground, is getting uh, all and all the microbes in the soil that are getting up. sprayed. Like, there's there's still a lot of animal murder there. It's yeah. just not in front of you. Yeah. It's, you're, yes. You, you're still you're, you're, you're still, still causing a lot of it. it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just uh yeah, that's um there's an, another podcast is now off the air, but um that they would it was a hunting focused, but the guy really wanted to push the boundaries and and find but so he was like I hunt because I like to source a lot of my own food. And because uh, I know where it came from, yeah. I have a connection to the land and I'm going through the whole butchering process. I know what it takes to do all that. It's a lot means a lot more than going to the grocery store and picking up a steak where it's literally just it looks like a piece of meat. Yeah, where I'm I knew that animal as a, a thing that was alive. And um, but he would bring on like vegan philosophers and activists and or vegetarian philosophers and activists. And he formed friendships with some of them, but the one guy was like, oh, yeah, you, there's no – with rice production, there's no – no animals die in rice production. He's like, well, what about the animals that lived there before it turned into a rice paddy? Yeah. They're like, what about the animals that are living there before they flood it? What about well, – and the guy's like, oh, no, that doesn't happen. Well, <laughs> Just like completely denied here, that it was a possibility. Here's the scary it's, thing. It, it, at least in terms of eating, once you realize everything's alive, mm-hmm. everything that you're oh, eating yeah. is alive, the, the difference is if you're having a salad – Lettuce doesn't have eyes that look at you when you're yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you're preparing it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's a little bit. Of everything that you're eating is basically something living that's dying, yeah, in order to nourish you. Mm-hmm. So, not saying that one's better than the other, or one's more evolved. I'm sure 
some are yeah. more evolved than others. But that's a whole other conversation yeah. for another oh, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not related to um, Yeah, I don't so. want to get too sidetracked with but no, that. No, that's also a good article. I'm, I'm interested in reading the whole thing. Um, but for you guys at home, you guys can go to the Facebook group Native Plants Healthy Planet and place your vote for which article you like better there. Uh, don't do it on Christmas Day. As much as we lo- want people to vote, spend, spend time, time with, with your, your families. Fam- yeah. unless, unless you're passing around the dinner table and getting everyone to vote. That's that's yeah. fun. <laughs> if you're voting for me, or you know, or if you don't celebrate, if that's not a holiday, you celebrate. That's a yeah. perfect day to do yeah, it. Exactly. Then. So so and 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 make sure you vote because. And of course, the choice is yours. So you want to do listener shoutouts? Yeah, let's do it. Let's hit, let's kick into it. Listener, listener shoutouts. All right, you wanna you wanna keep going first? You wanna? I, yeah, we'll, we'll keep, keep the, the trend straight. alive. Go, go first, and um. So this week we got another five-star review. We actually got a couple, but a bunch of them didn't leave reviews. This one left a review, and it was uh, BM Weiss 190. And I'm just going to read the whole thing because it was really, really nice to hear this kind of thing because this is what we were trying to do. It's a wonderful. And um, so they wrote, finally getting around to rating. It's like as if the constant pleas of Tom (laughs) (laughs) sooner. So I've been trying to listen to Native Plant Podcast for years. Uh, what do I mean by trying? As a novice and someone new to native plants, I would find a podcast and listen to two to three episodes. It was clear that these podcasts were were heard for people who worked in the industry. I didn't know any of the plants, and they were brushed over by scientific names without explaining anything about the plant. I had to keep pausing to check a field guide, and it was tedious. I was excited to stumble across this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic. You all explain the plants on top of giving their scientific name, talk about uses of the plants, and the tie uh, and the tie these plants to their ecological uses through guests. This podcast and Backyard Ecology, another great podcast that yeah, we've yes, had on. I agree. And we were on there, too, uh, are my two go-to podcasts that and what I will listen to before anything else. Thank you guys for doing such a great job and making Native Plants accessible to even us newbies. Yeah. And, um, no, I'm, I was really glad to see that with so many of our other yeah. reviews. It's always nice to get that positive feedback. But that one in particular really, that's what we set out to do. Was We try to be relatable yeah. and and. And be educational. It was, and we wanted we to connect people. People are interested in native plants for so many different reasons, and we want to connect them with people that could excite them for the reasons they were excited about. Yeah. And um, and yeah, we're from a, a technical standpoint of plants. Fran and I aren't the the two most knowledgeable people in the room no, by far. No, I was going to say, and, you know, part of the reason we don't have one of those types of podcast is because i'm not capable of it i'm yeah. not an expert we, and we i'm sure be, i'm saying yeah. a lot of incorrect information well i don't want to say a lot i'm sure i have said every incorrect. once in a while we yeah we screw stuff up and we try and correct acknowledge when, and correct yeah. when we screw stuff up but um yeah i i listen to like uh some of these other podcasts i don't want to name them for i don't want to be taken negatively yeah but yeah sometimes i even working in the industry i'm lost by the conversations because they Me can too. get really really technical and um, and I still really, really like them for the most part. But there's times I'm like, oh, this is a little bit more in depth than I can comprehend sometimes. Yeah. And uh, and there wasn't that entry level, at least in our opinion, there wasn't that entry level podcast that could get in depth, but really scale it down, bring it back, so that make it so everyone I'm, can understand. I'm, I'm going to make a perfect example, and I guess at the time that this airs, because it's it's that time of the year where we have to double up yeah, and we triple up episodes to get through because <laughs> yeah. there's there's weeks that we won't be together to do podcasts mm-hmm. um but there was a guest that was on that 
mentioned something about plant identification and named a plant part that I had never heard of. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I'm lost. Like, I don't know if it, like, I, I couldn't even help you with that. Like, what kind of, what kind of plants <laughs> man am I? Like, I had to look it up. Like, and, and they went on to explain it and I got the mm-hmm. gist of what it was, but I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that part of plant physiology to, to be able to identify that. Or it's something I've never even really looked at, you yeah. know, to, as far as identification. I even, I notice as walking through the nursery, my plant ID from, from site is pretty good, but for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Like I have a photographic memory. So if I see something, I and I see it again, I know what mm-hmm. it is. Like, like you, you show me this tree, and I can say and say that's a tulip poplar. And when I see it again, I'll be like, that's a tulip poplar. Yeah. But I can't break it down and tell you why it's a tulip poplar or why it is. I may be able mm-hmm. to give you some characteristics, but in the winter when it's not flowering, I just know it is. But I'm. I may not be able to – if you say tell me why, I may not be able to appropriately tell you why. Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to this uh, native plant every day because we're going to go more into that to help you oh, identify. Oh, yeah, we're going to learn a lot yes. as, as much as, as our listeners do. But, but yeah, it's I'm, I'm kind of the same way. It's I'm used to seeing them, so I know it is yes. what it is because, oh, yeah, we someone, sometimes even me, I put it down there, so I know that's what it is because that's what the tag said when I put it down there. and. Then pulling plants, you get to see them over the years, so you kind of get different life stages. But still, it's in the nursery context, so it's it can be tricky sometimes out in the when I'm out in the field going through and saying I'm pretty sure this is this, but I don't know for sure. And so I rely on iNaturalist to kind of confirm my suspicions yeah. a lot of times. But even that, like once you start, you know, because before here I worked in the ornamental trade, so there's a lot of cultivars and varieties, and you'd get down to well, how do you know October Glory red maple? is an October glory and it's oh well the petiole is longer than the mm-hmm. rest and a petiole for those of you that don't know is the the part that attaches the leaf to the tree that mm-hmm. long like little stem before the leaf starts where it connects to the tree so it's like oh the length of this is is you know an inch to 2 inches longer than a, a regular red maple mm-hmm. and it's like yeah you know, that's how that's how close some of these things get, or it could be the length of the flower stalk. Yeah. You know, it's it's really difficult, and it's impossible to know at all. Yeah. And one of one of the people that can do that and like really identify trees by those reasons is my dad, and that's one of the reasons I'm really kicking myself because I had 30 years of of in the field training, and yeah. I was like, this is really boring and annoying, and I don't want to do this. And uh, yeah, now looking back, now it's like, oh man, I wish I paid better attention. My brother's actually really good too. Yeah, yeah um, he is. And it was surprised. So my brother was. When he was in college, he took like forestry classes and, and a lot of woody identification classes, those kind of things. And um, I didn't take any because I was a, an agricultural business major. But I had a lot of friends that were in these um, in different um, wilderness type related major, wildlife related majors. So they had to take uh, there was a woody identification class, and I was doing better on their like their take home quizzes than they were. They were asking me questions on stuff, and I'm like. Oh yeah, that's this or that's this or that's this. Like right. especially going Latin yeah. to, to yeah. the the translations, I knew a lot of that. But but that's yeah. stuff that, you know. So I wish I took that class because I would have probably learned a lot more, and I would have I had the base knowledge to do well already. Now there is a key. Like if you're new to to learning plant mm-hmm. plants in general, you can key things out. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, what you would use to key plants out on, I don't use to identify. I I can do it just from sight. But like if you were to hold up a branch and say, what is this branch, and I tell you what it is, and then you hide it and you go, is it 
alternate or opposite? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is it, you know, obviously you're using, is it evergreen deciduous, but are the buds pointy? You know, are the, are the buds rounded? You know, uh, you know, I don't even know if I off the top of my head can remember that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I just know. And that's not good as far as teaching someone yes, yeah. what it is. But we appreciate the the kind words. You know, we want we wanted this to be for everyone, and we wanted anyone to be able to listen and and, and get something yeah, away from and it. relatable to you for the reasons that you want to be interested in it. and find so. the places where you can learn more. Yep, and and exactly. and go to, and who the experts are and what to do to to get excited. We wanted to get you excited and get you included, mm-hmm. and then. You can you can grow from there. We're just the first step of your journey, yep. so or hopefully we can be multiple. But yeah, so journey. thank you very much for that five star view. Yeah. And if you want to be featured in this segment, just leave a five star view, and I'll I'll feature you. We're hitting close to a hundred on Apple. Oh yeah, we're getting really close. So help get us there. Um, so my <laughs> my my listener shout out is for selfish reasons, and it's Mary Lenahan who supplied my article. <laughs> she included me in an email. That had the article this week, uh, which I I gladly used for the podcast. So uh, Mary's a customer of ours, and she does a lot with uh, a commitment to education for native plants. So I believe she's a member of the native New Jersey Native Plant Society as well. So I really appreciate you sharing that with me and and helping uh, that be a part of the show. So yeah. two great listener shout outs, oh, yeah. um, and keep the keep the reviews coming. We love it so much. Um, I don't have a complaint, although I do want to bring something up that's. Not a complaint. I kind of complained right. about it. I, I in a in a previous episode, I had mentioned about an article where someone was complaining about native plants and mm-hmm. saying, you know, I was saying like they they didn't take the food web. Well, I ran across the article again today, so it was called "The Dark Side of Native Plants," mm-hmm. and it was on a website I think called Permies. Okay. Because the, the person's into permaculture. Yep. And it, it's the article's like eight years old, but mm-hmm. they they went into saying that the reason why they don't like native plant enthusiasm uh, enthusiasts is because they're for all only native plants and nothing else. And he was making a case for Ellie Agnes or Russian Automob, yeah. which which you're not you're not winning that one with no. me. But they didn't take into account the food web. And what mm-hmm. eats that, and they're just saying, "Hey, it's here and it's living, it's fine." But you don't see what you're missing. You're you're narrowing biodiversity by having that here, yeah. and it's moving oh, yeah. the soil and so many other things. And like like many reasons, we love plants as as humans. We love them for selfish reasons. They're yes. they're giving us fruit. They're giving us vegetables. They're giving us something we can consume, or they're just appealing to the eye. And uh, we are very very rarely thinking about. What else is is yeah. benefiting or hurting because of that selection? And and now I'm not saying that this person didn't have some good opinions mm-hmm. because they mentioned people that were all or nothing, and that's one thing we yeah. preached. You know, don't hold everyone else to your standards and and be be accepting and let everyone go on the journey at their own pace. Yeah. So I did. He did have some some good opinions and it's it's all opinion it's it's basically mm-hmm. a blog but i just thought i'd share that because i know you asked me about it and i couldn't remember what it was yeah, so yeah, yeah. i actually saw it again so but that's not really a complaint uh we had no questions uh, again yeah again we're, we're we're really striking out here so someone please call the question and comment <laughs> line uh you don't have a grow read a book I, I don't have a book um I I have one on hold now so i will have one soon but i don't have one for this one. we we do actually we have read a book, but we 
Oh yeah, that's a whole. But episode. it's again, that's yeah. next week's episode. So uh, we'll we'll let him tell you about the book instead of us us paraphrasing yeah. it. So, but we did have a little bit of a topic. We were kind of thinking about it, and I know looking back at the buzz last year at this time, we kind of went into native plants that are used for holiday arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, and because this is so close to uh, the holiday, we kind of thought, you know, what are unique last minute gifts that you can mm-hmm. give that are native plant related so you know we're not really stretching much but like these are all good good gift good gift ideas if you're mm-hmm. into native plants oh yeah so you want to you want to yeah it so so number one is uh is just giving seeds or plants that you have that's yeah. a you're waking up christmas morning Ooh, i forgot to get this for so-and-so Go out in your garden. There's still you left some seed heads on for the birds. There's still some seeds there. Collect some, put them in an envelope, and and or just dig something up and show yeah. up at their door and say, "Oh, I got this for you." Uh, you know, it's and and there's fun ways that you can make a, a gift mm-hmm. set with that. Like you can give someone seeds, a nice hand trowel. Um, at the the nursery, we have mugs that look like terracotta pots. Yep. You can give someone a nut mug, shove it with seed, and and it's a nice little gift that. That to me is a little more personable and rememberable or memorable. Yeah. So um, the next one is T-shirts. We we have the uh, the Native Plants Healthy Planet T-shirts that Tom designed all the designs, and they're all going to a great cause. So you can have someone help spread the message. You know, and and you have said this before. I see a lot of places and their shirts, and they're great messages, but it's nothing I would wear <laughs> personally. It doesn't yeah. fit my personal tastes. These I I own a ton of them, you know, and I think it's something. There's something there that anyone would like mm-hmm. that, and and you can give that that great message and your support. You're supporting a great cause. You're you're giving two gifts. And if if it's too late for you to actually receive that that T-shirt uh, from our store, which you can find at www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com, what you can do what my dad always did and go to the web page. Print out a picture of that and then put it in an envelope and say, you're going to be getting this in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> but that's – it's a great gift idea. Remember, 100 percent of the, the profits are going to help great organizations. We've already allocated some money uh, mm-hmm. in the past, and uh, we're hoping to do more soon after the holiday season. Yeah. So a couple um, – well, one more in – this is someone something that my brother does. Yes. And I think one of our listeners does as well. They'll actually – uh, now, this one required a little bit of foresight. It would be hard to do now, but they would actually go and collect leaves from a lot of their native plants that they had in their garden and make a tea out of them and then give that as a, a gift. And that's something, again, you can pair it along with those, like a terracotta uh, plant yeah. or plant or, or pot mug. Or you can get, what, or, what do you call the uh, thing that you put tea in? Oh, the tea infusers? Yeah, the infusers. Diffusers, yeah. something like that. But you can you can combo a lot of that together mm-hmm. and... Um, and and make a very nice gift out of it. It's yeah. you know some of the combo things I really like. One year for our, our customers, we gave out uh, butterfly houses and mm-hmm. mugs, and we put uh, sugar cookies that, that were shaped like like, yeah, like butterflies and and bees. So mm-hmm. you know it, you can do something like that. Um, we thought of I know I hadn't thought about this before, but uh, last Christmas my my future brother in law made wine out of uh i can't remember what it was it was something native but i can't remember Mm -hmm. what it was but 
the wine was fantastic, and you can make wine just about out of anything or prison hooch. Yeah. You could yeah. do <laughs> yeah. your your elder, you could do your elderberry. There's you, the elderberry aronia or fotinia berries now. Um, yeah, but elderberry uh, liqueur that mm-hmm. you can infuse it in vodka with the flowers. You yeah. can do I your the black cherry. Hooch. Yeah, the black cherry cordial is the, is the proper <laughs> black term cherry for prison that. hooch. Uh, but there's so many things you could do that's that's festive. Um, with with a nice decanter or something like that and a bow would would make a, yeah. a wonderful present. And an, another one that probably took a little bit more foresight, you're not doing this today, unless you already made some and you just need to pull it out of the fridge, is uh, is jams. My yeah. mom made some beach plum jam this year that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I had a, a customer that gave me a jar of beach plum program. actually drove home to get it for me. Awesome. They, we were at a conference at a, at a plant sale, and she's like, Oh yeah, I bought beach plums from you a couple of years ago, and I they produced fruit, and I made beach plum jam. I'm gonna go home and get you a jar, and they came back with a jar like half awesome. an hour later, and um, yeah, and it was really really good. And that's that is that is a fantastic. But you got your wild person. blueberries. Um, I'm trying to think of one that uh, um, I'm blanking on his name. Samuel Thayer made that I ordered from their store was uh, was cranberry viburnum jam, oh. and that was really good. It was nice. It was like nice and tart. Uh, in addition to being sweet, yeah, that's. So, I think that's, that was actually a jelly. It wasn't a jam, but that is by far the most favorite plant of the deer mm-hmm. in my my property. I, I'm I'm having so much trouble getting that one established because they just keep eating that one right back. Um, another one we thought of that would be great. We have all these great nonprofits. So a membership, mm-hmm. uh, like if if you're close to the Bowman's Hill Wildflower Preserve, giving someone the gift of a membership where they can go somewhere and enjoy native plants and nature yeah. and see it firsthand yep. different times of the seasons or uh, like New Jersey Audubon or, or mm-hmm. any of the Audubons, something like that where they could be a membership and be a part of something, be yeah. a part of the native plant community. A, a lot of these organizations give out like membership gifts too. Yes. So I'm, th- I'm thinking of like Ducks Unlimited and uh, I just joined back, or I shouldn't say joined. I renewed my membership mm-hmm. with Backcountry Owners and Anglers, which is a more Western Group, but we do have a chapter in New Jersey, and when I signed up, I got a, a package in the mail and it had a little knife sharpener in it, or you get a t-shirt, or you yeah. get – there's all kinds of stuff. A lot of times they'll get a little gift along with um, with doing that, and actually there's a – I've been trying to work on this idea too, but I don't know how to execute it with our t-shirt system, but there's another organization called Public Land Tees out, that's based out west, but they have a t-shirt – they, at least they used to that they sold and they sold the t-shirt for like 125 bucks. It was something yeah. like outrageous price, but by getting that t-shirt, you actually got a membership to a bunch of different organizations. And that's something I've been trying to do here too, is have like a one based in New Jersey and say, okay, if you buy this t-shirt and it'll be like 125, $150, but you'll get a membership to New Jersey Audubon and the Pilots Preservation Alliance and uh, Which is a, great a, a bunch yeah. of different organizations based in the state. Yeah. So you're getting not just the T-shirt. You know that money is going to a good cause, and you're getting the membership benefit along with all the yeah. benefits of that membership as well. Yeah. A lot of these places, they put out periodic journals. They put out all kinds of stuff. And then, like you said, Bowman's Hill, Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center, places where you can go and tour around. Yeah. We talk about Longwood Gardens. Yeah, you get the benefit of being able to go there physically and uh, and enjoy the space and enjoy, as well. Yeah, enjoy it firsthand. Yeah, we got. I got that actually for my wife. I got a, a membership to Longwood Gardens for a birthday a couple of years ago. That's a great gift. And we went. She she went more than I did, but we went a, 
more than the membership was more than paid for what we would have yeah. cost in an admission. And, um, and it was like a really, really nice, it was just a nice thing to have. And it's, a, it's, it's an hour nice... and change away. It's not like it's terribly far, but you made a day of it. We'd go and get lunch or go and, and go to the gardens and go get dinner and you get to go be outside, walk around, see some beautiful flowers. It was a really, really nice experience. And, um, and it's going to, again, go, especially some of these places, going to a good cause. Yeah. Perfect. So uh, another one that we thought of was, uh, this is like real last minute. Again, something you can do the morning, Christmas morning. You could do it online. No, no one's yeah. gone down and open presents yet. You don't even have to go. You just go on your phone and you can order a gift card to some of your favorite uh, native plant vendors. And um, that's a good thing. People aren't necessarily buying plants yet, but they're starting to put lists together. It really helps your, what they want. your native plant vendors because yep. cash flow is not the same over the winter. Oh, so it yeah. helps them with some much-needed cash flow mm-hmm. heading into the spring. As we, we talk about the business of native plants every once in a while, January and February, you're running on, on pennies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's nothing in the account. It's all borrowed money, and it's really until a lot of times June is when you'll start to turn the tide a little bit and see, okay, we're still spending a lot of money, but we're starting to, to yes. get in the black yeah. a little bit. But yeah, a lot of these places are they don't have it's tough winners. Yeah, th- yeah. there's you're, there's no cash flow coming in the door from January to March. And once that first day of March warms up, that's when you start seeing people show up and, and people are buying stuff. But yeah, before so, then, there's very, very little money coming in the door. Yeah, so if you have a, a favorite native plant garden center, what a great way to get <sighs> your, your neighbors or your friends to buy native plants by mm-hmm. giving them a gift card yeah. there, letting them go in and, and select something at their own at their own choosing mm-hmm. uh, to get them excited about native plants. I think that's a great one. Um, and the last one is gardening supplies. Like if you really want someone to spend more time, uh, there's a lot of uh, – you know, there's there's a lot of themed gardening supplies, mm-hmm. uh, things with butterflies or birds or yeah. things like that. But uh, get someone uh, a new. We we mentioned it before, hand trowel or or yeah. uh, something to to we kneel talked on. About, yeah. um, Felco pruners yeah. before, and that this is one of my things I always like about giving gifts is you you're a lot of times you're able to give something that's thoughtful and sometimes better quality. Yeah than what the person would buy for themselves. It's especially now is a time of year where everyone's a little bit, they're, they're looking for extra change here and there to, to make ends meet. And, um, and they are, sometimes they might need something, but oh, I need something that costs $40. I only have 20. This is a good way to get them what they might yeah. want or need. Like a Felco um, pruner, yeah. like all kidding aside, Felco pruners are like the KitchenAid mixer mm-hmm. of of, yeah. of the nursery world. Yeah. So like someone's not necessarily going to say, I do some pruning. I'm not going to spend 40, 50 bucks on a mm-hmm. pair of pruners. But you take care of them. They're going to last you your, yeah. your entire life. Yeah, you, if so. you get something that is quality and worth the money, and this goes beyond Felco pruning. Yeah. It could be uh, any kind of gardening equipment. You get something that's worth It's going to make the jobs that much easier. And then you're going to enjoy doing them. They're not going to be as much of a task. It's going to be something that's it's if if even if it's a little bit easier, it just makes it that much more enjoyable. And you're going to want to do it versus dreading doing it. I agree. So yeah, when things are hard, you don't. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people just put it off and put it off. And having poor tools can make things a lot harder. Exactly. So hopefully you're you're already ahead of the game and have all your your gifts bought. But if not, those are some great ways. Like we talked about. We, when we whenever we talk about growing the circle we always talk about how to 
get people, introduce people in a kind way, polite mm-hmm. way where they can ease into it at their own pace. Yeah. These are great gifts that, that kind of just make people think uh, at some of the advantages of what native mm-hmm. plants have exactly. to offer and, and kind of get them slowly acclimated to yeah, it. So definitely. some great gift ideas. Uh, so we, we, we have this – we for those of you that listen, you know we always have the pod deck. Well, we've we've pretty much exhausted yeah. the pod deck, and we we started a segment on the last buzz, but we didn't have a name for it where it was you're given two options and which one you would pick. And it's kind of we, – we had some suggestions. Tom came up with a fantastic name for it. You want to say what the new segment's called? Oh, yeah. I was like I kind of forgot. <laughs> but no, we want to call it Take It or Leaf It. Yeah. And Leaf it's, being the pun. Yes, yeah. and instead of having being two options like a, this or that, uh, we thought we'd present an idea, and you can either take it or leave it. You can uh, say, "I yes, I'm I'm with this one," or "No, I don't think this is a great idea." So, um, so one of the ones that we were I'm trying to figure out a good way to phrase it because originally it was done almost like a this or that, but mm-hmm. for for. For bigger projects, if you're doing a lot of planting in your yard or, or a bigger restoration project, um, are you using plugs or do you want larger size? Let's say let's say larger size. Are you going to go with all larger size material as opposed to smaller for a larger planting job? Say you're doing you want an immediate impact. You're doing your property, but you're planting like 25 plants, and you're going to go, hey, I'm I don't want to use anything small. I want to use seven gallon or bigger. For you, is that uh, you, you taking for, that or you leafing it? For me, it's um, and Fran and I are both going to answer this. We we're going to answer it the same way. <laughs> we have a, a biased uh, answer, but no, I and part of this is just because I have the the resources to do it this yeah. way. But I prefer doing smaller plugs. Yes, and even like smaller than what we'll grow sometimes. And if if I can get them smaller, a lot of times I like that better. Uh, just because you get, in my mind, you get more bang for your buck. You can get more coverage. Um, some of these like larger container material can be pretty expensive. Yes, and yeah. you can really tie up, um, tie up your your funds in a handful of plants. Yes, and uh, and and personally, as a from our retail business, I've seen it too. I used to sell quart pots, which are still a small size, but I used to sell yeah. quart pots, and they were like. Online, they're somewhere between like five and ten dollars. Typically, ferns were a little bit more, but f- between five and ten dollars. And um, I shot myself in the foot from the nursery, saying, "Hey, Pylons Nursery shouldn't grow quartz anymore," which kind of hurt my my retail business at the time because that was our what we sold yeah. was quartz. Yeah. And I said, "Well, I guess I'm going to have to transition to plugs for this." And um, it actually it made the business thrive even more. Especially, I go to plant sales now. People, I could give them a, a cut out of the flat of ten cells, and for the same money as they were paying for two quarts, now they're getting ten plants, and they can say, "Oh, I'm going to get instead of two plants, you're getting ten. So they could cover mu- that much more area. You're only putting yourself uh, typically growing season behind uh, size wise. Um, now, when you from from plugs of quartz, when you start getting into bigger trees, it's a little bit different, but. Uh, Dr. Talmy at a presentation I saw him say uh, talk or speak it back in the fall. He was saying how smaller trees tend to transplant better, 
and um, he showed some side-by-side pictures of things that they planted from a one-gallon pot and then next to something that was a ball and burlap 10-foot-tall tree. And within a few years, that 10-foot-tall tree that was planted ball and burlapped was only a little bit bigger, and the tree that was two feet tall and in a one-gallon pot was now the same size. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just it was eye-opening to see that. And it's something I know Fran talks about all the time. So I've heard that before, yeah. but I hadn't really seen the imagery. Um, oh, I, that's not true. I did see, and I don't want to take, yeah. <laughs> dig up nah, dig up skeletons nah. of, of an old nursery. But there was a nursery that <laughs> said they had something that would grow really fast, and it didn't. And oh, we got to yeah. see that firsthand in a trial. Yeah, and the, surprisingly, the results were never published. Well, you know, it's, yeah, I you know, it's funny. Just in your response, it gave yeah. me an idea for the next next buzz topic. So yeah. I have our next take it or leave yeah. it, but. No, it's a very interesting point. So you're you're going to leaf it for as far as larger yeah. plants. So, um, like you said, more bang for your buck. You can get more plants if you're, especially if you're doing a large thing. Money can be a, a limiting mm-hmm. resource. So, um, why wouldn't you want to plant more? Uh, and then you know, with any large restoration, what we see is that most of the time they're shooting for a percentage. And I know that meant like if if you're not familiar with the business, it might sound lazy. But a lot of the times these plants are getting put in places where they can't be taken care of. Yeah. Like if you plant yeah. five acres of plants, you may not have a way to get a watering vehicle out there or water out there to water. They're they're being left at their own or you can't – sometimes there's not enough money to protect them all from deer. Mm-hmm. So you're planting and saying we're shooting – we're going to overplant. We're going to go with smaller plants, and we're going to hope that 80 percent of these plants survive. And if they do, it's a success. And it is a success because over time, as plants grow, they're going to shade out other plants. You're going to lose some just throughout their lifespan anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, I'm a firm believer, you know, it, any nurseryman will tell you the smaller the plant, the quicker the transplant. And it's root to shoot ratio. Um, and when you're dealing with smaller plants, there's less root disturbance. So when you're planting it, um, that energy can, it doesn't take much to get that smaller plant established but if you're planting a seven gallon or a 10 gallon that's a lot of roots that have already been disturbed Mm. that now you have to baby and take care of so it's going to take a lot more water it's going to take a lot more care it's going to take a lot more time for that plant to get established so Mm. once the plant's established it can use its energy to grow yeah oh yeah you know instead that that first couple years on the larger material is just getting root establishment back Mm -hmm. so the smaller plant's going to rebound much quicker and it's going to start taking off much quicker so it kind of catches up and you have more time and resources to do other things um also you know the turnaround time getting things like if you're planting an herbaceous perennial and you plant a plug in the spring and a court in the spring by fall i don't think you're seeing much of a difference you may get blooms out of the court the first year but one of the things we always preach is patience yeah. just be patient yep. be patient you're you you could have more if you can just wait an extra year or two for that grand mm. bloom time or, or things i, I yeah. think that's and that's the big advantage to going bigger yeah. is you have that instant gratification in fact I, I remember a presentation i was at and the speaker who wasn't a nursery owner they were like a business consultant but they were talking they were familiar with the nursery industry and she he was like my wife is does not want to wait for annuals to come up in my garden beds. So we don't buy plug trays and plant them and wait for them to grow. We buy hanging baskets and take the plant, the annuals out of the hanging baskets and put them in the garden so it's full. It's, yeah. And 
we spend a ton more money that way, but it, you don't have to wait for it to grow. You don't have to worry about stuff dying. You don't have to water it in, or you still water it in, but you don't have to baby it to to get it established. I and um and I'm thinking back to that Doug Townley presentation I went to where he showed the side by side pictures. One of my friends is in the front row, and he's a he actually moved from the back next to me to sit in the front row to hear this, and he's a big tree grower, like a real big tree grower, and uh, and I'm like. Oh man, he might walk out when <laughs> Dr. Tommy's saying, "Oh yeah, you don't want the big trees, you want the little trees." But they have a they have a job on a golf course, and they this golf course needs big trees, and they want them. They're going to open up, and the the golfers they don't want to wait. They want to see that forty yeah. foot tall tree now and what it's going to look like. They don't want to have it be five feet tall and wait for it to get forty feet tall. So they got to put in a forty foot tall tree. And, um, and and you know what? That's understandable. You're not going to plant a seedling yeah. as a street tree. Like yep. I get it. Um, and here locally for us, New Jersey DOT, even for native plants um, in natural areas, they want at least a six foot tall tree because they know the deer population is so bad, and mm-hmm. the they're they're not getting an eighty percent success rate yeah. going smaller. They have to go bigger, so the terminal buds taller than what a deer can can browse off, so that they have decent success rates. So. You know, it sometimes it's a trade off, but if you can go smaller, mm. and then if yeah. there if you want to invest for a special tree or a special plant that that you don't really want to wait or something that's really slow growing that maybe you don't want to put that time and investment to enjoy it, mm. you know, go go smaller on ninety percent of it and ten percent get a little bit larger size, compromise a little bit, but. Yeah. Um, I think you'll be happier and you'll get more for your buck. But just think about like all for those of you that listen that that grow from native seeds. Think about how quickly that seed germinates and roots out yeah. that early yeah. spring where you have a plug that you can plant out. It's the same instance planting that plug compared to planting mm-hmm. a 10-gallon tree. That establishment is going to be much quicker. So yeah. just kind of keep that in mind. I think you'll get more bang for your buck, but I'm going to leaf it also. There's no way I'm taking bigger stuff over smaller stuff. And, of yeah. course, we're biased because we grow all, all smaller stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. But no, it's the, interesting to talk it out at least to have that conversation, not to just assume um, what's better. And and mm-hmm. you're going to have people that are going to they're going to take it. You oh know, yeah, a hundred percent. There's time. people who want that that instant satisfaction. And um, I was going to say this probably isn't a good example. I was even thinking like fruit trees, but you're not buying a fruit tree that's bearing fruit. But you might go with something that's a little bit taller because it's going to get you to to a, a fruiting height. Yeah. Or fruiting age a little bit faster, but do you, do you want a preview of of the next buzz? Take it or leave it. Uh, yeah, I guess. Same vein. You're planting. You're getting ready to do a bunch of material in your yard. Bare root. Man, right, don't discuss it now. Just oh, think about it. One. I'm gonna give you tough. <laughs> I'm gonna give you time to think about that yeah. one. So, yeah. but and for those of I you, that's the. Um, that's your catch coming into the next buzz. You already know what the take it or leave it's going to be. So uh, you can be prepared and and see if we'll surprise you with our answers. All right, friend. We got anything else or is that it? No, that's it. All right. And so we're, we're, we're over an hour. I, I thought it was – every time I think it's going to be a short one, it's never a short yeah, one. I stopped guaranteeing it. I learned my lesson last week. But we're so. going to be more like 75 minutes and 90 yeah. minutes. So All right. That's, that's a fine. Good thing. That's fine. So that is it. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pines Nursery. So thank you, RJ Comer, for our Buzz theme music. I can't imagine the buzz without that theme music. So thank you for contributing that. 
Uh, make sure you stream or buy RJ's music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. I know RJ has a new song out, but I'm not sure if it's on iTunes yet. I, I had a chance to hear it, and I know I told you last time I'd share it with you, and I haven't shared it with you, Tom. So That's true. You haven't I'll, shared I'll it with me. I'll make sure I share I that with you. <laughs> I forgot to. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet. And YouTube at Pinelands Nursery, please, the question and comment line. It's been been quiet the last few episodes. I'm a little sad about that, but maybe we're just answering all your questions ahead of time. So I, I doubt <laughs> yeah. that. Um, you call us at 215-346-6189. I'll repeat that, 215-346-6189. We're going to play that question or comment on a future episode of The Buzz, and we'll answer it to the best of our ability, or we'll phone a friend. And uh, – the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group, man, a bunch of new members and a lot of great feedback. And mm-hmm. and uh, so again, can't can't express how proud I am of everyone with that yeah. group. It's we've had other people mention it to us of how polite everyone is in the group and accepting. Mm-hmm. So take that as a compliment. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Uh, if you're listening, you can hear us on so many other services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, really wherever you consume your podcast. If you're able to, when you do that, please, please, please leave us a five-star review. That's my Christmas wish is that we get more five-star reviews. Um, cause that just, it really, one, it makes us feel really good about what we're doing. And two, it helps us in, um, uh, move up the charts a little bit so that we can get a little bit more exposure and, and spread this message. And, uh, and that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day. So, um, as I've mentioned, I don't even know how many times, uh, we have t- podcast t-shirts now and podcast merch. We have phone cases I put up there. Nice. So you can find those also at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com. There's a, a header at the top. If you click on that, that little banner that says shop t-shirts here, it'll take you to our Teespring store. And, um, and again, we don't take a, a dime of that, those fundings. It's all going to uh, the organizations that we're having on. We're picking them out here and there. The ones that we, we can support, we're supporting them. And um, so, yeah, we're it, this is all for them. It's it's not for us. And it's also for you to get something fashionable to wear and, and spread the message even more. So uh, with that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. Actually, oh, I, uh, you, I, it's I, your I forgot it's my secret. secret. And I, Fran reminded me of my secret in the beginning of the episode. And, um, and that was that I am probably very close to legally blind. I don't really know what the, the threshold is. <laughs> But um, my I wife wouldn't always have guessed gets, that. Seriously, I I had no idea. It's I've been wearing contacts since I was in sixth grade. Okay, so it's always been just like part of me. And I like I mentioned earlier, I'm just really bad at taking them out. So I got the ones that you can are supposedly allowed to leave in for yeah. at least two weeks to a month. And I tend to go a lot longer than that because I forget that I am hard yeah. of <laughs> seeing. But um, yeah, there was one time I think I was 18, and I had to go to the eye doctor, and I didn't know what i was on the agenda for the eye doctor so i drove myself there and this was uh 2006 or 2007 so cell phones i i only had a cell phone for a couple years cell phones were still newer yes um i think i had a it wasn't a motorola razor yet i got that a little later but i had a motorola something or other and (laughs) i got out of the eye doctor well they had to dilate my eyes so i couldn't put my contacts back in because my eyes were dilated and I called everyone I could to come and give me a ride home, and no one was answering their phones. And I, I think I must have even called the office, and no one answered here. 
Wow. It must have all been busy. So like, some time goes by, and I'm like, well, no one is coming to get me. I can't get a hold of anybody. Um, I guess I can try and drive home. And uh, and I I got home, but I realized I was in trouble when I <laughs> when I got to the traffic light in the middle of town, and I couldn't see it. Like, uh-huh. I, I couldn't even – it wasn't that I couldn't tell what color it was. I couldn't even see the light. <laughs> and I'm like, I have – no clue what color oh i i could kind of see if like cars were moving because i could see like a flash of color I'm like well i don't see anything moving on the sides and i could i could tell there wasn't anyone behind well kind of tell there wasn't anyone behind me so i just kind of went through the light and after that it was i could i could pick out enough to know when i got out of yeah. town and and where my turn is but yeah my eyesight's very bad i can't what? like if my wife's face is like three probably about three feet away is where i can start to pick out features I couldn't like I could say see where her eyes are. Yeah. I couldn't tell her what her eye color was. Gotcha. But I could see where they were in regards to that her face was there. And um once you get to like a foot and a half is when I can really start to pick out oh, wow. details. But uh yeah, it's it's bad. Wow. I you know I thought it was because I sat too close to the T V as a kid, but apparently that's not true. That doesn't actually make your eyes work. <laughs> Every parent will tell you <laughs> yeah, that though. Yeah. Um you know, it's funny you mentioned the the street light. And and I and I know we've talked about this before. A few years ago, uh, your dad was kind enough through the nursery as a gift. Um, I'm really colorblind, mm-hmm. and they gave me yeah. colorblind glasses. And uh, the first time I wore them up to a streetlight, wow! Like mm-hmm. like because you can kind of see. Like I never knew there was that much a difference between a yellow light and a red light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's been times at night where if you can't see the casing itself. Like typically you can see which light is on, mm-hmm. but if it's dark and you can't, I'm pretty sure I've ran a few red lights in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you put the glasses on, you're like, oh, wow, there's there's that much of a difference? I had no idea. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's – um, and I didn't realize I was – I'm partially colorblind. Not as bad as you, but I'm a little bit colorblind too, and I didn't realize it until uh, – I did, apparently I don't know what colors the walls in our house. I I just thought they were tan, but apparently they're more of a peach color. And then my wife repainted; she's been repainting every room yeah. like one at a time. And I think we have the whole house done now, outside of maybe like one or two rooms. But um, she repainted our bedroom, and I just thought it was gray. But apparently, it's green with like purple oh. undertones. And I'm like, wow. all right, have you tried on my glasses? Away? I've never tried on your glasses, right. but I've taken the the echroma test. Okay, so we'll- and it says I'm I'm slightly red green colorblind, but all I'm right. not. If I took the test, and I've taken the test multiple yeah. times, if I took the test ten times, I would pass it probably two or three times, and I would need the glasses the other seven. I've never passed. Yeah, I've never passed. I've taken it multiple. Yeah, it's times. it's slight, but I like can't pick out. All right, so shades. after we're done, I'm gonna they're in my yeah. car. I'm gonna go get them. And you're gonna try them on. Yep. So we'll report back the next yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next buzz. That's a great secret. Mm-hmm. That's a great secret. And I awesome. yeah, I probably. Who knows what I could have hit on the way? Look, it's one of those things. Looking back, what an idiot! Yeah. Who the hell would do that? Well, it's, <laughs> like, it's funny. I just had an op- optometrist appointment, and they—I have to go back, and they told yeah. me they were going to dilate my eyes. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, it's less than a mile from my house, so I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to walk to my appointment. I'll yeah. walk home. Oh, yeah, because uh, like I said, looking back, there could have been kids crossing the street. There could have been someone's ball rolls out in the street and chasing dogs. I would have had no clue, and but I was 18, and and. I, it was the end of the world. No one was. What else am I going to do? I yeah. can't be sh- trapped here all day. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. You one. live and you learn. There you go. Yes. Perfect. 
So, awesome. All right. Well, with that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thanks again, everyone. Next week, uh, tune in. We have a great episode with Owen Wormser uh, about his uh, book, uh, Turning Lawns into Meadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it's a great read, and we had a great conversation with Owen, oh, yeah. so you'll be excited about that. So uh, make sure you tune in. We'll see you again next time. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.